And we're going to today read from Luke chapter 16. And today, let's read all together aloud. We're going to start in verse 10 and read through verse 15. You guys ready? If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Specifically before we get into talking about money today, I actually want to talk about honor. Honor is a big deal to God. And it ought to be a big deal to us as well. Unfortunately, we're living in a day and time where it seems like we've overall lost our sense of honor in our culture. We don't respect authority like we used to. In our our culture at large, our kids are not trained and they're not brought up to respect and honor their parents or their elders. Hopefully, us in the church, we're different than that, amen. But our culture at large, it's really easy and obvious to see that. We don't honor the good traditions hardly anymore. We don't honor the good traditions that we have anymore. We don't honor some of the, the history, the things in the history anymore. We live in a world that just wants to tear down our past, rather than honoring the admirable things in history. And I will say this, we do want to recognize, like, there's some dishonorable things in the past and in history is as well. But, you know, if there's dirty bathwater, let's address it, but not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen? In our world, we live in with a lot of distrust and cynicism. It's just part of our normal culture now. Most of the humor these days on television and movies and social media and all around, it's filled with cynicism. It's filled with snarky attitudes. The, the attitude is that there's really nothing left anymore that's virtuous to give honor to. Why? Because we've torn down everything. It's really too bad because honor makes us better to each other, all of us, the entire culture. Instead, though, we're so used to talking to each other these days with dishonor in the tone of our voice, with the words that we select. Did you know that you can disagree with someone without dishonoring them or disrespecting them? Now, they may not see it that way, but but in your heart, You can disagree with someone. You can address them in the way that you do it. You can intentionally do it in a way that's not dishonorable and disrespecting towards someone. So we've lost our sense of honor. And if that's the case, that would mean that we're living in a culture of dishonor. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to need to understand Honor, and we're going to need to to be able to honor one another. Why? Because I'd argue this. I'd argue that if you don't understand honor and if you don't practice honor, then there's going to be some gaps in your discipleship process. There's going to be some areas of your life of you're saying, well, I'm following Jesus, but there's going to be some areas that are stunted if you choose not to be a person who understands and practices the principle of honor. Because we see that all throughout the scripture of how we are to honor God. And then the overflow of that is is that we become people of honor and we honor one another. It's one of our core values here at Seeds Church. We honor all people. 
Why? Because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, Portico is doing such an incredible work of saving lives, unborn lives, and, and doing ministry to the, the parents of unborn lives. Why? Because it's the most invaluable thing on the planet is human life. If you think there's something more valuable than human life on this planet, you need, you need a paradigm shift. And why is that? It's because there's no other creation, there's no other creature that's made in the image and likeness of God. And so there are going to be people who I disagree with, but I don't have to dishonor them. There are going to be people who have lifestyle choices that I'm like, I don't affirm that. I do not come into alignment with that. I will not agree with that. I will not support that. But that doesn't mean I have to dishonor them and disrespect them. You can disagree without disrespecting. You can disagree without dishonoring. Now, again, they may not see that, but in your heart, you need to make sure that's the place that you're keeping people. Is like, I'm, I disagree with them, but I'm not going to dishonor them. The big question for us today is this. How do we relate to God and money specifically through the lens of honor? What are some principles that I need to understand? What are some decisions that I need to make and solidify in my heart and in my habits to say that I'm going to be a person of honor? The first principle is this. I honor with my priorities. Everybody say that with me. I honor with my priorities. If you want to honor, it's going to be determined with how you prioritize things in life. This is like a universal truth that exists, that if you're going to live any kind of life that's flourishing, then priorities are a necessary part of your life. And this is not like just, you know, something that's just like niche to Christians. Like, there's many godless people that understand this principle. It's a universal principle that, it, that exists in the universe, that if, if I'm going to have some kind of measure of success in life, then I'm going to have to have some kind of priorities in my life. Why is this true? Because we're limited beings. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much energy that you have. You can't be best friends with everybody that you meet. It's impossible, right? And, and, and so because your resources are limited and that you're a finite being, that means that you've got to set some priorities in your life. So the question is, is what are you going to invest into? What are you going to invest to with your energy? What are you going to invest into with your time? What are you going to invest into with your relational, uh, you know, your relational capacity? And what are you going to invest into with your money, with your finances? Our priorities are driven by our values, or they ought to be. <laughs> What we value is what we tend to prioritize. So when I prioritize a relationship, I'm showing that person that I value them. You know, it's really nice to say, well, I just treat everybody the same. And in some sense, you can treat everybody with the same baseline level of respect. But in how you prioritize relationships, you cannot treat everybody the same. It's impossible. I cannot treat your kids the way I treat my kids. If I did, I'd be broke. Because <laughs> my kids say, Dad, I need gas money. Dad, I need money for this. And it's like, I'm, al I'm already, my, you know, kind of empty in there already. I can't treat your kids the way I treat my kids because you might be calling the cops on me. Who's this guy hugging and loving on my child? That is creepy call the police. I can't treat your wife the same way I treat my wife. I'm pretty sure the Bible tells me not to do that. <laughs> so we've got these priorities. I can have respect for everyone. And while that's true, I'm going to invest more in some relationships than I do others. That's the principle of priority. The relationships and opportunities that I value the most 
are going to be the ones that I invest into the most and the ones I'm going to prioritize. Maybe you've had some conversations like this with your spouse. These are hard, difficult conversations where maybe you or your spouse are like, you know what, I'm feeling like priorities are out of whack here. Relational priorities are out of whack. I feel like I'm playing second fiddle. I feel like all you ever want to do is go fishing or play golf or ride your motorcycle or go shopping or meet your friends for coffee or even this. All you ever do is tend to the kids. Do the kids need to be tended to? Yes. But the kids wouldn't be here if you hadn't had this relationship first. And so what do you do when that kind of thing happens? Well, you have to stop. You you have to recognize what's going on. Make apologies and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to shift course. I'm going to get, take my priorities that have been out of line. I'm going to put them back in line. Why? Because you don't want your spouse to feel dishonored. You want them to feel honored, right? Priorities communicate value and honor. If you've been a customer of a particular business for a, a good amount of time, it feels good when they give you special treatment. It feels good when you call them up and they pick up the phone and they know your name without you having to say, hey, this is so-and-so. They know. It feels good when you walk through the door and they know you by name. It feels good when they give you uh, a 20% discount because you've been a loyal customer, right? It feels good when you're not treated just the same way as everybody else is just walking in. Why is that? that that's, that's priority. You've been doing business with, with them for years, and so they're prioritizing you as a customer. We prioritize what we value. And all of this works the same way with God. Prioritizing God in your life is a sign of you showing respect and value for him. It's a, shine, a sign of you showing love and honor for him. I want to read to you Colossians chapter 1, and I want you to listen to Paul's language here. And notice the language that he's using here when he talks about Jesus. It's, it's a language of priority. He says this in verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things that we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Wait a minute. You mean there's thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world? And we don't, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, we're not going to get into all of that today. But there's a lot more that Christ is over than just the things that we can see. He's not only over the things that we can see, but he's over the unseen realm. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme, over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. That is language of he is priority. I like the way that the ESV says this last line. It says that Jesus is preeminent. It's fancy. Paul's making the point that Jesus comes before everything else. There's nothing that deserves higher priority in your life than him. So if you want to honor God, then you prioritize him at the center. Yes, he's first, but he's not just first. He's at the center. Because if you just put him first, then you can just check that box and go to the next thing. But if you put him at the center, he touches every area of your life. So how does God get priority in your life? How does he get priority with your time? How does he get priority with your energy? How does he get priority with your money? When you think about God getting priority in your time, is it, is it like, ah, 
forgot to spend time with God today? Or is it like from the moment that you woke up to the moment that you went to bed, he permeated your thoughts? Is he supreme in your time? Is he supreme in what occupies your imagination? Again, is he at the center? Because at the center, it's like a spokes coming out from the center, and it touches all the rest of the wheel. It touches all the rest of the wheel of my life. How do you give God priority with your finances? When you want to honor someone, you give them priority to communicate value. So if you want to honor God, we're going to put him at the center. Everybody say it with me again. I honor with my priorities. The next principle is this, is I honor with my heart. I didn't even have to ask you. You already said it. Some of you didn't, so you don't get the gold star. But I honor with my heart. This speaks to motives. And motives are what drive actions. Did you know that you can give God a lot of religious activity but still keep your heart far from him? It's possible. It's possible to be involved in all kinds of spiritual-looking tasks and just appear if you're living for God, but really in your heart, you're still living for yourself. Tim Keller's book, uh, The Prodigal God, Reclaiming or Recovering the Heart of the Christian Faith. One of the points that he makes there in that book is that you not only need to repent of the wrong things that you've done in your life, but you need to repent of the right things that you've done for the wrong reasons. It's possible to appear you've given God your life, but really you've just given him your behavior. How is that? Because deep down inside your heart, your motives, you're still just living for yourself. It's a motive thing. You guys remember these guys called the Pharisees? A sect of religious people that lived during Jesus' day. And you guys, they were experts, some of them. They weren't all bad guys, but there was enough of them that you could, we want to just lump them all into the same you know, boat there. They were experts at giving God their external behavior, but can, retaining control of their own heart. These guys were constantly getting into duels with Jesus. And every single time, Jesus would put them in their place trying to save them and call them out of hypocrisy. There's one of these moments in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, where Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies, and he's prophesying like about the Pharisees hundreds of years before this moment. And Jesus quotes Isaiah to them, and this is what he says, talking about them. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, it's possible to look generous. It's Go to church every single week. Pray. Read your Bible. But still have your heart far from God. Yes, God does want some action from you. We'll talk about that in a second. But he desires more than just your behavior. He desires your desire. He wants your heart. He's not interested in you just playing a religious game where you just go through the motions, but your affections are given elsewhere. One of the ways that we can show God that he has our heart is by giving him the thing that gives us a sense of security, gives us a sense of control, gives us a sense of satisfaction. And for many of us, that thing is our money. In Mark chapter 10... The rich young ruler came to Jesus, and basically he was asking Jesus, hey, how do, how do I be somebody in the kingdom of God? I'm already somebody here. How do I now be somebody in the kingdom of God? 
And Jesus said, sell everything you have and come and follow me. What was Jesus doing? He was challenging the affections of his heart. Are you going to honor God with your heart? Or do you just want God to be like an accessory to your life? Too many people are living like that. Too many people say, well, I follow Jesus, but really he's just an accessory to their life. We, we, we treat Jesus sometimes like he's a sidekick. Oh, man, it's great to go to him when we're in trouble. But most of the time, you're just living for yourself. It's only when you come to this crossroads moment where you realize that the allegiance of your heart is, is like, I, I realize the allegiance of my heart is given to someone, it's given to something else. And it's only when you come to that crossroads can you ever truly find the center of what you're looking for, which is Christ. Nothing else can replace him. Like we sang earlier today, Jesus be the center. He wants to be the center of your heart. He wants your affection. He desires your desire. A lot of people, they give generously, praise God, but it doesn't really cost them anything. They just do it because maybe it's just their religious habit or they're doing it to just kind of get their attaboy, make them feel good about themselves. It's just kind of like virtue signaling. It's terribly humanistic. We're living in a world today where you can be charitable everywhere. Go to Walgreens this afternoon. Go to CVS. Go to the checkout line. What are they going to ask you? Would you like to donate an extra X amount for such and such charity? That sounds like a wonderful thing. But really, seriously, think about what an incredibly clever humanistic plan of the enemy to flatten the effectiveness of the people of God by being able to be charitable everywhere. Because for 2,000 years... It was the church that was making a difference in all of these areas in, in the world. Think about the name of the hospital that you need to go to, St. Thomas. That's just not a clever name. <laughs> the schools in our nation, the social needs in the, in the community outreaches all around this nation and all around the world, taking care of the poor, it was all done by the church. Now you don't even need to be part of the church to make an impact. I can make an impact by giving an extra dollar at the Walgreens checkout line. And what does that do? Oh, it just makes you feel good about yourself. Some of you are like, man, I've never given an extra dollar to the children's fund ever again. No, that's not what I'm saying. We're, we're, we're talking about what are you, what's going on in your heart, not just your actions. Mark 10 is where we see Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. Skip down two more chapters, Mark 12. Jesus is with his disciples at the temple, and Jesus goes and sits down right across from the offering box the temple treasury. Now, you got to remember these days, like, people weren't carrying cash with them. They weren't carrying, they didn't have a checkbook. They didn't have debit cards. There was no, like, give today at temple.com slash give. <laughs> they were bringing in bags of silver and gold, and if you were really wealthy, maybe you had a chest full of it. And Jesus is like, it's all out there in the open. Everybody can see what's going on. And it's like, man, can you think about the show? Can you think about like just how it's all out there in the open? And people are like, oh, wow. Look at how much. Look at how much Lee gave. Isn't he so generous? Wow. (laughs) 
And then a poor widow comes forward. She's got next to nothing. Two mites, two pennies. She drops it in the offering box, puts it in the temple treasury. And notice that Jesus doesn't run over there and say, no, 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 no. You don't need to be given. We need to be given to you. He didn't do that. Why? Because it wasn't about being generous. That's not why the widow gave. It was about honor. She's honoring God. And Jesus wasn't going to stop her from doing that. That, that's devotion. Jesus said that. She said, hey, boys, did you guys see this? Did you see this woman? This poor widow woman? All these other people, they gave out of their abundance. It didn't really cost them anything, but she gave everything she had. When I'm honoring God with my finances, I'm giving in such a way that it's connected to my heart. For those of you that give regularly, I want to encourage you to not just let it become a religious activity. Don't let it become old hat in your heart. I'm glad. You know, discipline is a wonderful thing. Discipline is a thing that that keeps us where we need to be and and helps us continue to do the things we need to do even when our heart is not engaged. But I'm telling you, Keep your heart engaged. Jamie and I, we have it set up like we get paid, and it's then the first thing that's automatically drafted out of our account is our tithe. We tithe to the local church right here at Seeds Church. It automatically comes out. And it can be so easy during offering time to not even really think about it, to be thinking, have your mind going in somewhere else because it's just automatically done for us, which is a wonderful thing. It's very convenient. But I want to encourage you, whether, you're, whether it's automatically drafted out of your account, whether you're putting cash or a check or however it is that you're doing, giving online, don't let it just become routine. Don't disengage your heart because what we're wanting to do, first and foremost, is honor with our hearts. Amen? Matthew 6, 21 Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what you do with your money is a direct indication of what you value with your heart. So what should that do? That should inform the way that you give, and it should inform the way that you spend, and it should inform the way that you save. So when I'm here and I'm giving to God, again, whether it happened through an automatic you know, draft already, I just want to stop, I want to bow, and I want to honor God and say, God, all of this belongs to you already. I'm just returning to you a portion of what you've blessed me with. I honor you from my heart. The last principle is this. I honor with my actions. We honor God by prioritizing him at the center of our lives. We honor him from our heart. We also honor him through our actions. Now, I just thought, J.D., I just thought you talked about honoring God with our heart and not just our actions. Yes, but we ought to honor him with our actions too, right? I mean, it only makes sense that there would be actions to accompany the feelings. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that without actions... (laughs) Maybe the honor isn't that valid. The feelings aren't that valid. Maybe to say it this way, you know, without actions, honor isn't maybe even honor. If you can't show me how you're honoring someone, I'm not 100% sure that you're doing it. I'm glad that maybe it's coming from from your lips, but what else is there? And listen, I'm not saying this to shame anybody or criticize anybody. I'm saying this as your pastor because I'm trying to lovingly lead you to truth. The, the Apostle John writes this in 1 John chapter 2. 
In verse 3, he says, And we can be sure that we know him. In other words, it's like people all day long can say, Oh, I love Jesus. And John says, That's great. Here's how we can tell if that's really true. If we obey his commandments. In other words, if there are some actions that accompany the words and the feelings. He says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we're living in him. John says that if there's a gap between what you say and what you do, that's lying. There's a gap in your integrity. John's saying that, that don't let your actions and your words be disconnected from each other. Don't let them get separated from each other. If you say you love God, but you've got nothing in your life to show that you love God, then something is not 100% on the mark. Something's disingenuous. Something's dishonest. We honor God by prioritizing him at the center. We honor him with our heart, and we honor him with our actions by letting our love and our respect and our honor show up for him in real and tangible and practical ways. Now, we have these three principles. Now, this is where I want to connect honor to the spiritual discipline of tithing. What is tithing? Some people think, well, tithing is just... Well, just when I give to the church, whatever it is, it's called, that's tithing. But it's, it's, there's something more exact than that. Tithing is giving specifically a tenth of your income to God through the local church. Why do I say, and I, and I want to say, it's not just giving, it's returning. Why, why is it returning? Because it all belongs to him anyway, Right? Like we talked about last week, where, you know, you go to your job and they get, you get that money, whether you're the business owner or whether you're an employee, and you think, well, this is the money that I earned. But who gave you the power to get wealth? God. So it all belongs to him. And so when we bring our tithe, we're returning it back to him because it belongs to him in the first place. So tithing is giving a tenth of your income to God through the local church. Why the local church? Because the local church is where God is most present and working in the earth today. It's, the church is his priority. You say, well, but J.D., the church is kind of messed up sometimes. The church is flawed. Yes. But God still remains committed to the church. He still stays committed to his bride. So we ought to stay committed to the bride. Amen? That wasn't a very hearty amen. It was like, oh, oh, me. A lot of people have confusion about why they should tithe. Some people think that tithing is like, you know, I'm going to give... 10% 10% to God, I'll keep 90%. I'll give God his cut. It's like a protection fee, like God's a mob boss, you know? I'll give God my 10%, and then he'll keep the bad things from happening for me. But if I don't give God my 10%, I better watch my back. Some people look at tithing as if it's like um, church tax. Well, we just want to keep the lights on. <laughs> um, <laughs> We want to pay the bills. Yeah, it's, it's more than that. Some people look at tithing through the lens of, I'm going to give to get, you know. I'm going to give, and then God's going to give to me. A lot of people have these kinds of different views points. And what's interesting about all of these dis- different perspectives is that there is a measure of truth in all of these. God does bless those who give. But tithing is built upon a deeper principle than that. It's not about giving God his cut so he'll keep bad things from happening to you. And it's not just about supporting the church 
And, and it's not just about, you know, giving to get. It's about honor. I'll say that again. It's about honor. It's a principle that rises far and away higher than all of these other things. The biggest reason that you give, the biggest reason you tithe is because of honor. And it's not the same thing as generosity. Tithing is not you being generous. Now, there are other ways that I'm generous, but tithing's not one of those. Tithing is a show of honor and respect. It has nothing to do with the church. Yes, it's going to the church, but it's not really about the church. What it's about is you really coming to God and saying, this belongs to you. I honor you. A lot of people have reasons for why they don't tithe. And what I have found is that the, ma- the vast majority of people who I talk about tithing and they don't tithe, <clears throat> it's usually not for theological reasons. Now, there are a handful of people who would say, well, I've, I've done a study in the Scripture. I've done a deep study into the Scripture, and I've seen that you know tithing, I, it's not really present in the New Testament. It's not a New Testament thing. To which I would say, I don't remember where it was. Jesus slammed the Pharisees one time when they were tithing. I mean, he really let them have it. But it wasn't because they were tithing. It was because they were bringing God their actions, but they weren't bringing God their heart. It had nothing to do with whether or not they should tithe. That wasn't really the issue. Uh, tithing, we know, is it predates the law of Moses. Jesus never said anything about to not tithe. The Pharisees came to trap him one time, and they asked him about paying taxes to Caesar. And Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but then give to God what's God's. In the early church that we read about right here, they didn't tithe. What they did is they sold everything. And then they they did that so that there was more than enough for the ministry. And then we do see tithing being taught Later on, a few hundred years later, the, uh, I think it was five, 567, the Council of Tours, and then five, a few years later, that, 585 at the Third Council of Macon. So tithing's been taught in the church for a long time. But I'd say for the majority of people who don't tithe, it's really less about a theological issue, and it's more about an emotional or pragmatic issue. It's like... I, that sounds great. I just can't. I'd, I'd like to, just not able to. Or for some people are like, I haven't really given it much thought. I haven't really thought about it. Let me say this again. The principle of tithing is not about generosity. It's about honor. Just this past week in Israel, um, they had this day, it was Yom HaShoah. And it's the national day of remembrance of the Holocaust. And about 10 a.m., I think this was on Monday of this past week, there's all kinds of things that they do throughout the country to remember the victims of the Holocaust. One of the things that they do is at 10 a.m., Air raid sirens sound off through the entire country. And everything comes to a screeching halt. TV and radio stations stop broadcasting. People stop their cars in the middle of the road and they get out of their cars and they stand in the street. 
the whole country comes to a screeching halt for two minutes of solemn silence, remembering those who were murdered by the Nazis. They're honoring them. Jamie and I, some years ago, we were in Washington, D.C., and we went to the United States, the U.S. Memorial and Museum for the Holocaust. We walked through that thing for, and it took hours. And you you couldn't even stop to read everything because we'd still be there. But there's this weight and this heaviness and this solemnness and this, this, this reverence that existed there. Just a couple of months ago, we got to go to the 9-11 memorial at Ground Zero. And you're in New York City, and there's hustle and bustle all around until you get there at Ground Zero, and all of a sudden, you stop smelling pot. You smell it all over the city, but no one's smoking pot there. And everything's a lot quieter. And people's pace is slowed down. And no one's being loud and boisterous. And you don't hear traffic speeding by. What is that? There's this sacredness about that space that when you go there, you're giving honor. Tithing is like that. That it's not about, oh, look how generous that I'm being. Watch how I'm going to give. No, it's about, God, it all belongs to you. So I'm going to honor you. I'm going to revere you by returning a tenth back to you and placing it in your hands. I don't know all of where it's going to go. I don't know everywhere it's going to touch. But it's not even really about that, God. That's not my concern. My concern is that I'm just here to honor you. I didn't plan on saying this, but I think it's worth saying. I think there have been people, sincere believers, who have, whether it was through a tithe or whether it's through giving an offering, they gave it to a ministry or they gave it to some kind of, maybe even a, a personally to a person. And the, either that, that ministry or that person did not do with that gift or that tithe what they should have done. Maybe they were unscrupulous. But God still honored the giver because their heart was in the right place. Now, he may not bless the person or the ministry that mishandled the funds. But he blessed the giver because their heart was in the right place. I know many of you sitting here in these rows for years and years, many of you, even before you came to Seeds Church, you made the decision in your heart, whether it's gonna be through good times or bad times, God, I'm gonna bring you my first and my best Why? Because God gave you his first. He gave you his best. I know I've had several conversations over the years with Pastor Russell about this, that even from the time that you were a young boy, your parents taught you to do this, and you've been faithful to the church. Not just Seeds Church. You've been faithful to the capital C Church in the way that you've honored God with your finances. And I look at your life, and I go, well, yeah. That seems obvious. And it's not a measure of spirituality. We don't go around the world and looking at people who have just a lot of wealth and say, oh, man, they must really have honored God. It's not about that. You can't measure someone's spirituality because of their wealth. Don't get into that trap. There's a lot of wicked people that have a lot of dollars in their bank accounts. So you can't play that game. But when I look and I walk with somebody like Pastor Russell, and I know his stories, I know that the hand of God's blessing is on you because you've honored God. So my invitation to you is it's not some, to get something from you. It's something for you. 
The question is, is how do you honor God with your finances? Do you have a practical, definitive answer? Or is it just like a feeling in your heart, but it isn't really manifested anywhere? Maybe you're just like tipping God whenever you can. And listen, I just want to lovingly tell you this. God is worth more than that. I'm not saying this again because I want something from you. I'm saying this because I want something for you. There's something profound that you experience when you say, God, I'm putting you at the very center of my life. Have your way in every one of my ways. Jesus said that with your finances, your heart, your finances and your heart are connected in an intimate way. When you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm bringing my first and best. God, I could use this money over here for this. I could use it for that over here. But God, I'm bringing to you today this right here. It's a powerful way of showing and saying, God, I love and honor you. And maybe you'd say, J.D., I'd love to. There's just no way. I'd love to in my heart to be able to follow that up with this action. But you you got to see my finances over here. I can't even make ends meet right now the way that things are. I just want to give you a thought. Start somewhere. Do something. Maybe the best that you can do right now is 1%. It's like a tithe of the tithe. (laughs) It's somewhere that you can start. It's somewhere where you can begin. Because remember, it's it's a heart thing first before it's an actions thing. And some of you, you have the heart thing in place, but... You, you feel like your hands have been tied because you think, well, my actions have to look like X, Y, Z. If they can't look like that exactly today, do something. Start somewhere. For some of you, it might be 5%. For some of you that are already being faithful in the tithe, maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you to take a step of faith beyond tithe. I don't know. But I just want to say, like, start somewhere. Don't Think that you have to wait till all of the moons align, till all of the circumstances look just right. Luke 16.10, Jesus said, those who are faithful in the little things will be faithful with much. Be faithful with what God has put into your hand right now and then watch his faithfulness to you. God's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to show you how he can provide for you. I know this, if I put a microphone stand up here right now, an open mic, and just said, come up here and start sharing your testimonies of God's faithfulness as you have been uh, faithful in, in returning the tithe to him or being generous in offerings, I know without a shadow of a doubt we'd be here for hours listening to your stories one after another. And many of you, not just one story, many of you have multiple stories. And we'd just be listening for hour after hour after, uh, about God's faithfulness that you, you have seen him just be so faithful in your life. Listen, it's because, why? You just chose to put God at the center. So the invitation is this. Where can you begin to honor God with your finances? God, you get my first and you get my best because I gave you my first and best. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that today that no one in this place feels condemned. Lord, I pray that they would just feel what it is, Holy Spirit, that you're doing in their lives what you're saying to them, how you're leading them. And God, I know that for some in this room, it's going to look different than for others. God, we're not here to compare ourselves to one another. God, we're here to be obedient to what it is that we feel like your Holy Spirit is telling us to do. For some of us, 
that's just to take a baby step. And for some of us, it's to take a leap of faith. But Lord, I thank you that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. That there's not a day that the righteous will go hungry, that you have not provided. Lord, we want to honor you with our giving. God, we don't just want to be like the Pharisees and and honor you with our lips, but not with our hearts. Jump through all of the religious hoops and, and show you all the actions but keep our hearts far from you. Lord, I just pray for those in the room that are here today that maybe they have been in the practice of tithing, been in the practice of giving offerings, but it's just become mundane to them. Lord, I pray that you would do a renewal in their heart, that you would once again, you would do a heart surgery, God, and reattach their heart to their finances. That it's not just they're doing it out of obligation, but they're doing it out of honor. And Lord, those that are here today, that you're calling them to just take the next step. Lord, I pray that you would provide that for them. Give them ideas. Give them wisdom on what that looks like in their life. God, those that they are going to have to have conversations on the drive home with their spouse. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be right there in the midst of that. Lord, that our hearts would be surrendered to you. God, again, that we wouldn't feel like we're under condemnation, but God, that we would feel the the freedom and the release to go, yeah, I want to honor God. I want to be faithful to him because he's been faithful to us. Lord, I just thank you that that we would not do it for these other reasons of just like, well, I'm just going to do it so that bad things won't happen to me or I'm going to do it just because the church has enough or just do it because... I'm giving to get. Lord, I just pray that we just be centered in the place of honor when it comes to our giving. And God, that it would touch every area of our lives, not just our finances, but our, our time and our relationships and our, our energy, God, our thoughts. That it would all honor you because you are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy of honor in every area of our lives. We want you to be at the center. Won't you stand with me right now? We're gonna.